Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding your best friend and then polishing up just a little bit because, you know, you want to look nice for the evening. I'm sorry, Dave. That type of polish doesn't complement my finish. Oh, thank goodness. I thought you were going to say, I'm sorry, Dave. You can't polish me there. <laughs> Family programming, man. Come on. It is indeed. We can always edit that out. Uh, Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. And this night we're talking about putting robots in your RPGs, especially in, in the two examples we're especially looking at are Springworthy and Bureau 13. Uh, but any, uh, basically any game you could, uh, that you can put robots into. There you go. All right. Anyways, but back to the robots. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So basically we can, we can send them out to do stuff. Uh, where we just literally physically can't live, or it would be you know inconvenient for us because you know, uh, you know if you go down below thirty feet, uh, you start having the whole process of what's called the, of, of 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 oxygen and, and and getting dissolved in your bloodstream, and when you come out, it comes out of your bloodstream and creates bubbles in your bloodstream. It's called the bends. It's very bad for you as well. Yeah, uh, it's robots again, they don't breathe, don't have that problem. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of science fiction stories about giving people artificial gills, which would solve that problem. Yeah, but hasn't happened yet. So we're you know, and uh, and, and in that case, is that you know, the question is, is it are you engaging in telepresence, where you're? It's basically just a robot, you know, appliance for you to control as you go down in the water, or is it actually acting as a self? Uh, uh, a self-motivating entity, you know, and you're just giving it instructions. So assuming that you're just giving, and that's what we have to have on Mars because it takes so long for our signals to reach Mars and come back that we cannot control those robots in real time. We can almost do it um, on, well, I mean, we do do it, but we, but it's really hitting the limit doing it on the moon because it's, uh, it's a second and a half to the moon and a second and a half back. So you've got a three-second round trip. Oh. And it's pretty hard. You, you could steer in a general direction, but you need you need to have that robot have the ability to say, hey, I'm about to go off the edge of something. I'm stopping now. And just basically yeah. come back. And So you know, we have some ability to, do, you know, so that's, so we even really need robotics on the moon as well. And, of course, robots, they don't get tired. They don't get sleepy. You could tell a robot to go out there and farm the back forty, and and, and it'll be done in the third of the time because you know that's three shifts of people normally, you yeah. know, and it can get out there and either run the tractor itself, or it can go and or it's the tractor, <laughs> or be <laughs> or, the tractor, yeah, yeah. I say it could be the tractor, it could run the tractor, you know, or or whatever. But uh, uh, so I, I'm just saying is that the uh, it, we it, it could do something that we cannot do. 
Uh, also, in the in, you're talking about the industry. You know, hey, go over there and cut a hole in that door. Well, unless you're carrying a big, you know, cylinder of uh, 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 of acetylene on your back, and you've got the helmet and all that stuff, and you're you know, so you can cut through that door. You've got some of that explosive, uh, the, the cutting cutting paste you see them use on science fiction shows that pass themselves off as as uh, espionage, where yeah. they just basically and it just goes around and cuts a hole in the door. Uh, you know, a robot, you know, A, has the ability to carry more than a human and might actually have the nozzles, you know, the, the uh, appendages readily available to go ahead and do that. So that's, that, that's where they can do stuff that we wouldn't be able to do. Ben, you know, Bender, you, you mentioned him earlier. He bends things. He bends you know things that humans could not possibly bend, and he does. He could do it all day long because that's what he was made to do. So that's we we want him to do that too. So uh, let's and see. he all, and he also does it with blackjack and well other things. Yeah, yeah. right. Now well <laughs> now based upon what we've said already about it not being an AI, uh, do we do we really want it to be our pal or our especially our gal? Well, see, that's where you get into the programming that's just that good. But, I mean, do we, you know, is that something that we should even want to happen? Well, I mean, probably the best example of a robot that becomes a friend would be the two iconic droids from Star Wars, C-3PO and R2-D2. Neither of them are artificially intelligent. They are programmed. R2-D2 is programmed by, I'm believing, the royal, you know, the, the castle at Naboo. And C-3PO was programmed by Anakin Skywalker. So, but yeah, they were, they're not self-aware. It's just exceptionally good programming. And they become friends to three generations of Star Wars characters. You know, you had Anakin and Obi-Wan, then you had Luke, Leia, and Han, and now Poe, Ray, and Finn. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're pals. They're pals, I mean, they're... Luke considers R2 one of his dearest friends, if you see episode 8. Okay. And chats with him just like, you know, a buddy. But do we, what I'm saying, is it in our games, is that what we want? Do we want our robots to be, you know, chatty, chatty buds? Well, or I mean, do we it, want, it would do we want them to be, uh, pro, you know, properly submissive minions? That would depend on, on the player and the character. If they want yeah. a robot companion that, um, and it's funny, as I said, the technology expanded from the Arcforge series by uh, Legendary Games. They have rules for Pathfinder because, you know, Pathfinder's addressed technology far more than any other D20 game. They have it where you can make robotic companions, where you can have, where it's not just a submissive drone, that where you can interact with it and it's almost an AI. And so... Yeah, it just depends on the player and the character. It's like, yeah, I want a robot buddy, you know, who, you know, walks alongside me. You know, he's like three feet tall. He's, you know, kind of, you know, walks around like a miniature gorilla with the long arms and the barrel chest. And, you know, let's see, what was another Star Wars robot buddy? If you uh, remember the old Brian Daly Lando Calrissian trilogy, when La it was, it was it, three stories about when Lando had the Falcon before he lost it to Han. So this would have happened before the Solo movie. And, oh, God, what were their names? Oh, no. It was a robot with, like, a big barrel chest and sort of looked like a robotic gorilla. And inside, his chest panels would open, and there was this other robot. And all it was was a purple cube, sort of bluish purple. The, the gorilla robot was named Bollocks. The cube was named Blue Max. 
That's what I... Okay, yeah. And Brian Daly wrote these three Lando Calrissian novels, and those were Lando's droids, and he treated them like, you know, how Luke and all the rest treat 3PO and R2. So, yeah, a lot of times having a robotic pal, and, of course, he'll do things like, you know, check shields, you know, you know, make sure, that, you know, the nav computer's okay and all that. But, yeah, they would talk to them and have conversations with them. So, yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, having a robotic pal in a game would... It offers good role-playing, because you can sit there, the robotic pal could be asking something, and, you know, be like Indian short round arguing while they're playing cards in Temple of Doom, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it would just be, you know, good for the players to have that extra, um, uh, that uh, sounding board. So, yeah, I would... Well, yeah, a sounding board I can see where basically it's, it's, it's trying... You have a problem, and it's trying to keep you... Give, giving you uh, the ability to explain the situation, the problem to the robot... yeah. To aid the, the person's own deductive processes or inductive processes as they do it. Because as we all know, is that a lot of times when you explain the problem to somebody, all of a sudden you know the answer. Yeah, right? you just need that so, sounding board, yeah. But then again, that's more or less of a, of, of a smart system. Uh, I, I know that if you are on a planet uh, or in a situation where you were isolated, you were the only person there... You might want there to be some kind of a, you know, it, you'd like it to sound like a person, you well, know, yeah, just to have somebody to talk to, you know? Oh, no, because it, it's been proven isolation is not good for, excuse me, ooh, isolation is not good for the human psyche. I mean, yeah, yeah we may want to be alone and be a hermit, but after a while, you just start, you know, the cheese starts sliding off that cracker a little. And so, yeah, having a robotic, just something to interact with. Just to keep that part of the mind fresh and going, it's often a good thing. Oh no, we've had we've had studies for decades proving how isolation affects a human adversely. Right. So so you, it it doesn't even have to be an AI as long as it simulates that aspect of conversation. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh, the you know uh, you could the, the equivalent of you getting an email that basically is the joke of the day the um, interesting fact of the day where you're just going along and the robot just conversationally as in that, like out of nowhere just basically says hey you know why you know why did the robot cross the road <laughs> and the answer is because it was carbon bonded to the chicken dude <laughs> <laughs> more editing thanks anyway um <laughs> what <laughs> that wasn't dirty <laughs> Anyways, but I mean, you know, or, you know, hey, did you know this, you know, yeah. and it might, it might actually be germane to what's going on. You know, you look over and you, it looks over and sees like a, uh, you know, uh, an outcropping and uh, of rocks and it runs its own little analysis and says there's a, you know, a 10% chance that it might have, you know, platinum in it. And he goes and says, says, you know, says rocks like that have a 10% chance of having platinum in it. Yeah. I mean, you're traveling from here to there. That may be of no use, interest to you. You could care less. But, hey, he's throwing out options that you're not aware of because he may not know how to read, you know, that kind of information. It's not on your it's not on your radar. It's not in your wheelhouse. Yeah. At which point you could say, well, gee, I've got three months to get there. Maybe we should go check that out. Might as well, might as well arrive rich. Yeah. You know, do a little, go over there and to the to the nearby stream and do a little panning and see if anything glittery shows up in your in in your um, uh, in your in your uh, gold panning or yep. whatever it is you're doing. It can happen, right? You know, or you know, if, if if you know uh, if you 
or in the case of Fringeworthy, uh, he could go, the robot could look around and say, that species of uh, chipmunk is, uh, is extinct on Earth Prime. And he, he might go, well, dang, we need to capture it then. You know, at least capture two of different <laughs> sexes of it. Right, and exactly. bring them back. And go from that there, way, yeah. Find a nest. Find a nest with a bunch of them in it and take it back to Earth, you know, and, and we could, you know, help help restore the ecological balance of the planet, which, of course, is one of the big reasons for Fringeworthy is because things are getting, everything we're worried about in climate change is happening on a, on a, on a, glo uh, happening, you know, right then. Yeah, much worse level, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's getting worse as time goes on. So the longer the game is going, unless they start actively... See, that, that, know, that's my one thing. Okay, Bureau 13, yeah, fine. Robots there, you know, you have all the... Fringeworthy, you have this whole nasty thing of, oh, they don't work well on the fringe pads, because every time you go through a portal onto the fringe pads, they go... Nyew. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about our alternatives there, okay? Because I, one of the very first fringe... Very long fringeworthy campaigns I ran for years... Uh, at one point, one of the players wanted to have his own robot. Yeah. And so we sat down and worked out how it could happen. That's how we came up with the information that Richard did not publish, that uh, that CDs, yeah. burning a CD, that information didn't get erased by going through a portal because it wasn't magnetic. So he said, well, that means that I could have some kind of like laser disc set up that could download the entire operating system and memory to a robot after I go through the portal and my my electronics start working again and the answer was yes you're absolutely true so and and he basically and of course since he was playing a super genius character he, he his version of kit suddenly appeared yeah well also With, you have now you know flash drive technology which doesn't get affected by things that would be on the fringe pad. So we decided years ago in an episode that either CDs or flash drive technology would survive going through the portals and you can just reboot everything back up, you know, immediately as soon as you gain power. Because right, as soon that after the 10 minutes goes by and you get your power back. Yeah, well, because usually a lot of it, like if it's a smaller robot, you can just hook it up to the mega, the, the photovoltaic charger that everything is automatically charged in 10 minutes, no matter the size of the battery. Because remember, we oh. came, uh, me, you, and John came up with that years ago. Okay, but it's still, it's still, even that has to, has to wait 10 minutes before it works. Right. But yeah. once you do, yeah, depending on the size of the robot, yeah, things like mini fusion reactors, no, not so much. You would have to have something that would be that would be easily recharged and has a very decent battery because you know once you go back through the portal, that battery is going to get drained again. So well, one of the things we talked about one time was we, we raised the question uh, that if you poured the the uh, high, uh, sulfuric acid out of a lead acid battery and took it through would you know would it and then poured it and poured it back once they got to the other side would it therefore still be fully charged hmm. so it's it was a, a question we never really answered but it's uh, it's all part of that but the point still is is that you could have you could have a robot boot itself back up again on the other side once enough time had gone by yeah you know basically you just have it you know uh, uh, I mean, either you keep it off and then have it automatically turn itself on with like, you know, um, some kind of a, a, a timer or whatever like that. You know, because, I mean, we didn't talk about it a lot because you're playing a game. And so generally speaking, you, you would say, well, all the power came back to this object. Not Power came back to different parts of the object, but only after 10 minutes do all the parts of the object get 
power back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 we usually just said, well, it, it gets it all at once or whatever, you know, and it's, that's the way it is. And, uh, and so a robot could do that. It just basically is once it, it gets to a certain point, its solar cells start working again. It runs through a little boot up routine and the boot up routine, you know, uh, initiates, uh, whatever it's whatever makes its power cells work you know uh switching on the switch to the generator that's running whatever it basically at that point it boots itself up and it starts operating just disengages itself and starts operating normally with all the memory and of experiences it had before it went through the portal so you know it and depending upon how how far in the future how futuristic you wanted to make it that could be a very smart or a very dumb robot. Yeah. But essentially, you could still have them. You know, you could have them in both. It's easy to have it in, in, in Bureau 13 because, you know, unless, of course, you have somebody who does bad things to electronics, like some versions of mages, they, they were basically anti-tech fields. Yeah. Anytime tech, they walked near a robot, the robot would go crazy and break down. But uh, most most of the time, you, you had a lot more advantages in this kind of tech because it, it would always work no matter what, and it could be always on, and, and you could be very sophisticated in what you did. A little bit harder in Fringery, but that's part of the charm and challenge of that game is yeah. trying to work around the limitations of the game. But, uh, yeah, that's what – so we basically booted off of essentially a giant video laser disc. Uh, it was what we originally did, but later on we, we would have moved to things like Flash – drive arrays and things like that but yeah yeah it, it still works okay uh, and uh and then you had these robots that could do pretty much whatever you wanted to do now one of the robots in uh it's uh i always wanted in fringeworthy after after i saw it was uh it's an anime and these robots are are uh you ride on top of it you ride on the back of the robot uh and and you somewhat steer it and it has like three big wheels that can stretch outward and inward. And it's got two arms, which when it's racing, allows it to lean over like a uh, motorcyclist and put one arm down like an outrigger and be able to take these really amazing turns. But it also had the ability to manipulate like a robot. And it could actually do things like, you know, actual physical tasks like reaching, picking things up. And, of course, it could pick you up and put it on its back. Oh, okay. I always wanted I always wanted a, a a vehicle like that because I thought that'd be really useful in fringeworthy because a lot of times you know you want to get up to the that 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 first branch that might be 25 feet up the ground on some pines you know and uh and, and then climb up to the top of the pine to get a view around the area or you might just need a little more you know viewing you know uh, uh, or they're going across a river and this way you don't have to get wet because the river is five foot deep oh, okay and you don't have to break out the you know and because the wheels they were tripods you know they were they were able to they could step over a log if they needed to and they could squish in real tight to go between certain trees. You know, there was there were some limitations. I mean, it couldn't shrink itself too much, right. but still, I mean, with those with those that arm that it could do, it could actually lay itself down forward and go under a branch. So it was it was kind of humiform in a kind of a stick version, person version. But you know, but it was primarily designed as a racing vehicle. Uh, but because uh, that's what people did, the people who are in the robotics club, they made these things and they also raced them against other people in their robotics clubs on racetracks. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's and and the story was all about this one woman who, for some reason, had this enormous affinity for this one, this one 
robot and it would do anything for her. You know, it was, was super responsive. And she was able to do all kinds of crazy stunts that, that she shouldn't have been able to do, especially considering she had no training. So it, uh, it, it what and it was one of the mysteries of the show that they had to explain by the end oh. but why she was so attuned to that robot. Um, but anyways, but it was it was cool. I thought it was very cool. Um, and, it, and at no point did you get the feeling that the, I mean, there was a couple of times you questioned whether the robot was self-aware, you know, because of the way it was so responsive. But on the other hand, I think it was a really good example of what a super responsive robot would be like, where, you know, essentially you want to go there and it figures out how to contort its body so it'll fit through the opening, you know, around the trees, over the logs, you know, cutting down the trees if necessary, um, you know, and at the same time, always protecting its precious cargo. Yeah. You. Yeah. And, of course, if you get into a combat, it's you've got its protection in front of you. Just like in the, um, uh, and in this case, I really think they really do have AI. But uh, in, um, oh, shoot, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Okay. Uh, they have those crabs, those crab robots, spider robots. But in the back, they've got this big canister, and what and a person sits inside that. And basically engages in tactical behavior while the the uh, the while the spider part the spider part of the bot is in charge of running around, taking cover, you know, throwing spinnerets someplace and getting up to wherever it is you're telling it to go. You don't have to worry about that. It takes care of that. You pay attention to like firing the guns or making tactical decisions based upon what you're there or possibly even hacking into somebody's uh, computer system, shutting down their, their spider bots or equivalent while your spider bots are busy doing their thing. So, yeah, a kind of a, you know, a, a, a partner but unequal. Yeah. So that I really liked those guys, but they were obviously AIs, you know, in that because they were they were they make jokes to each other and you know, they would they make a lot of asides. Oh, by the way, uh, if you were that kind of a person, having your robot basically make uh, disparaging remarks about other members of the party, you could program that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like you know, it's like I I one uh, I one time uh, basically got uh, made a player quit my game because I said something unkind, <laughs> and I had the robot do it. Oh, oh, oh boy! But it was an AI, so you know, uh, I I regret it now. At the time, it was hilariously funny, but since I lost a player as a result, I'm sorry I did it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's you felt justified at the time yeah well or wait a minute, I, it, did, it, did you it, like it, it, did you like mask the comment to where you were being snarky to the player and the character and you sort of no i was only i was talking to the character but the one the, the person it was a female player and she was so identifying with her character that when this happened and everybody laughed she oh, took it okay. personally okay. And, and, and and really you know i mean it's it's uh it eh, it, it was it, it was fair game, but again, I, I I regret that I was so successful at it, and ah. I think that perhaps you know because I was the GM doing it, there's a huge there's a huge imbalance of power when you do that because yeah. you're the GM. So yeah. I think it might have hurt, stung a lot more than if another player had done it, another character had done it. But anyways, it was it you know it's it's a long time water under the bridge. But I'm just saying is that you know. I know people might do that where they and, and we've got lots of robot examples 
in various movies and books where the robots, you know, they, they catcall, you know, the humans or, or the enemy, you know, uh, and that could actually be a good thing because it could distract the enemy away from your precious cargo, as I mentioned. I mean, if the robots over there saying, yeah, shoot at me, you know, fleshy, ugly, you know, uh, dirt bags, you know, uh, and they start shooting at the robot, not at you. Robots done its job. Yeah. So, you know, it, it could be actually a, a defense mechanism for you. Uh, it could also be a mean spirited thing that that uh, you shouldn't do in your game. Yeah. So, you know, be uh, use a little judgment. You know, read the crowd. You know, don't don't do as I did. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I lost a player, and I was very sorry about that. Because she was a good player. Anyways, uh, let's see here. Uh, so we, we basically... Uh, uh, but I don't, I don't like the I, I mean unless of course you're, you're doing that whole pan pansexuality thing I don't I don't like the idea of robots becoming uh, uh, being used as, as uh, partners yeah be a romant romantic uh, uh, surrogates well okay? because that's they address that in going back to Star Wars they address that in solo a Star Wars story that basically yeah. they retcon Lando Calrissian played by Donald Glover, as pansexual. And apparently there was some sexual banter between him and the robot he was with. Yeah, and she she basically uh, was talking to uh, uh, another character, a human character, and said that he has these feelings for me that I can never, I can, I can never respond to. And, uh, but she keeps, but, but she doesn't want to hurt him, so she simulates, he, she gives back the responses that he wants rather than being honest with it. So, you know, I'm just saying is that, you know, I uh, uh, I think that that's probably not a direction that you want to bring Well, it depends on, it, again, read your crowd. It depends on how mature your, your uh, gaming group is, how open they are, and obviously if you try to force it a lot, there are going to be a lot of people who are just going to be like, okay, you're weirding me out here, just get away, you know, just make that character go away, or they just shoot the robot or whatever. Right, so yeah, it, but, again, it's read your crop. But see, what I'm talking about is, uh, you know, if it's AI, if it's true AI, okay, then then that's where you have to say, are we going to include artificial people, you know, in in our game, and therefore a possible uh, romance partner? Yeah. Okay. If you say yes, then that's fair game to do that. If on the other hand, uh, you come back and the R2D2 uh, is now sporting a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a cone bra and uh, has lipstick and and eyeshadow over its eye. You got you got to look at the player and go uh, at the player character and go, "What's up, man?" Really? Yeah. <laughs> and and that might be something that you don't want in your game. Right. I mean, the other players again, read your crowd. That's that's what I'm saying. Where someone's bringing an element into the game that maybe they think is fun, but might not necessarily be fun for the other players. Right. You know, and uh, and and if you're and if you have any twelve year olds in the group, that's probably a really bad idea. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, I I know sometimes it sounds like fun to do it, but uh, and it's also one of the reasons why when they do do a lot of these kinds of robot pal things, they make them like short round. They make them a uh, an adolescent, a, a young, you know, all the Pokemon, you know, act like little kids. Yeah. Okay. None of them act like adults, even though some of them are 
much bigger than adults. Okay? Yeah. Even no matter how old they are, you know. So that's and I think that's done for that reason is because you know they 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 well you, you don't want to see two Pokemon doing lovey eyes at no, each other no. in a in a game this in in a movie game or whatever where it's being done by children who are too young to know what it is app yeah. appreciate what's going on it's yeah. just instead it's just confusing or outright uh, revolting to them because hey we we all know about you know cooties oh, we yeah. all we all went through the cootie phase right yeah yeah so all right anyway so uh, i i recommend against it uh but uh you know your uh your your players may just think it's the coolest thing but i don't i i i, I do like the idea of having somebody who will interact with you and and keep you stimulated possibly even keep yourself on track you know because like if it's like me who has a tendency to just talk forever about anything and 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 uh, or john who you know who invented the word tangent i think sometimes went back in time and invented the word because oh no 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 and it I, so well. i'm guilty there too just listen to past yeah. episodes folks yeah but if you had a robot saying excuse me sir uh, how does this you know how is this germane to our mission <laughs> you know, bring you back, you know, back and, now, and now I'm thinking of Yondu. Is this really important conversation right now? Yeah. <laughs> That's why you don't like hats? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of reasons not to like hats. Yeah. It just just as soon as you were saying about is this germane to the conversation? That line from Michael Rooker in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two just bang right in my head. Anyways, oh yeah, yeah, great lines. He, he's Michael Rooker is a is a is a great, a very underrated actor. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, no, yeah, he's going to be in. Um, talked about this on the show last night, real quick. He's going to be in Fast Nine. So just let okay. you know, Fast Nine. I mean, he, okay. He nobody liked it, but he killed as an actor, as a character in The Walking Dead. Oh yeah, yeah, just amazing character. So, but I hated his guts. Yeah. The whole time, even when he tried to do good, I said, "Yeah, this is this is, this is way outside your wheelhouse, buddy." <laughs> yeah, you need another younger brother to abuse. Yeah, to, wow, make, to, yeah. to make him a man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, did we cover every? Okay. Uh... Oh, there's more. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, um, and of course, the, the the ultimate thing that you want is a robot that can take over for you when you want to do something else. I mean, not when you have to, but when you want to. You know, you just you know, if you say, I really don't want to wash that car. Robot, go wash the car. Robot goes over and washes the car. Or I really need to to pay attention to you know uh, to my this communique from from uh, Bureau Central, and the robot's like, okay, I'll keep it. You know, where I'll 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 engage in. Uh, put all my sensors toward surveillance, you know, because let's say you're you're on a, a patrol, yeah, of some kind, you know, you're or you're looking for clues or something like that, you know. I mean, the two you could be sharing, but maybe you're doing something and he's supposed to be doing something else, and you have him do now what you are doing. If he was like backup, you know, because uh, in some cases, you know, you're you you're getting confirmation by having two people do it. Sometimes it takes two people to do it. Uh, but in this case, we're talking about where something comes up and you need to do something else, but they can keep on doing whatever it is that needs to be done 
and you can say, take over for me. Okay, I don't know. A few years ago, it was a previous, I think it was the Xbox One, the latest incarnation of Xbox, and we reviewed it on the show. And one thing that they said it does, when you shut off the game, the game still plays. Oh, I got to go to work, and, you know, the game will keep playing. I come back, and I can resume it. And I'm uh-huh. just there like, no, no, no. If I shut the game off, it's off. It doesn't keep going. No, that's not how games work. And I'm looking at this over the shoulder, whoever was, this is years ago when that particular version yeah. of Xbox came out. But I'm just like, I'm going, who thought of this? (laughs) Yeah. I saw so many bad reasons for that because I was like, okay, what if a tornado comes in while you're gone? What if all of a sudden the the game decides that, you know, that that slea stacks from the north are going to attack you and you've got only the smarts of your own forces, you know? I mean, you know, in Fallout 4, when it says one of your settlements is being attacked, if you... If you go there to defend your settlement, you will almost always defeat the enemy. As a matter of fact, I've never not defeated the enemy. Okay, but on the other hand, if I don't do there, it basically rolls the dice. And yeah. unfortunately, when it rolls the dice, it doesn't take into consideration how many, uh, uh, you know, how, how many turrets you have, or what kind of turrets you have, what kind of guns you gave your settlers, whether you put your settlers in power armor. It just rolls the dice based upon a very a couple of very small factors, and you might come back and find your entire settlement in you know in shambles as a result. Yeah, I'm because just you like, weren't there. Yeah, well, yeah. Because and that's what went, happens when games keep working when you're not there. Yeah, when you have to do things, I don't know, like go to work. Yeah, or just go to another part of the game. Yeah, I just I heard that, and I'm just looking at my Travcast at the time, going, "Who thought of this idea? Who thought that this was a good idea? Some guy." <laughs> who made the Xbox one and said, yeah, let's have the games play when you're gone. No. So, yeah, just seeing that, when I I saw it earlier, when you put all this up, I'm like, that was the first thing I was that that damn... And, again, not bad-mouthing Microsoft, but just that particular feature bugged me. Just... Yeah, I thought it was a bad idea. It was sort of halfway between single play and MMORG. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got this middle ground where it's doing some stuff for you. You can leave the game, you know, and go do something else. Okay, and you'll still you'll still be benefiting. See, they they sold it under the idea that you could still be amassing money from your mines and and your ships yeah. are still doing trading and all this stuff still going on. And I'm going, yeah, <laughs> maybe until you know, the monster and, comes through and you know demolishes the town. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Um. Uh, anyways, uh, I have to stop for a second because I have to go to the restroom all of a sudden. So let's pause our recording here. Okay, and pause. Okay, continuing. Okay, I'm back. All right, so. Okay, um, but, you know, when you, you know, I think that one of the big things that we're trying to do with robots when we bring them in, not as just something to, you know, keep the home fires going, but I think a lot of what we're trying to do is trying to make ourselves a better us, okay? When you get into that system, all right, you know, it. It's not your sword, not just your sword that gets longer and gets bigger. You know, everything about you becomes more impressive. So, you know, you know, when you're facing up against, you know, some big bad somewhere, you know, and he says, wait a second, and you come back with in a 60-foot giant robot, you know, you know, you know, you're you're basically saying, I'm this is who I really am. And now you're talking to the real me, and what do you say now, sucker? Yeah. So there, there's an intimidation or a uh, presence factor I think robots give you that uh, that you know 
Uh, and I, I, and one of the coolest uh, things that kind of fall along those lines is uh, some of the illusions of Kali that I've seen, where you've got this girl standing there, and she starts raising these swords out, and all of a sudden there's four swords, and there's eight swords, oh, there's yeah, 16 yeah, yeah. swords, and then people step to the side, and all of a sudden there's not one girl there, there's 16 girls there, all with swords. That kind of, and, and you're like, and that kind of, you know, uh, factorial leap of, of presence that that brings. You know, I think that's one of the reasons we like robots, you know, because it's just basically it's it's like it's, it's like like you're you're getting pushed around and your big brother shows up. Yep. You know, the guy's the you know, the head of the wrestling team He says, what's going on? These are these shrimps bothering you talking to your your brother, who's the same size as the other shrimps, by the way. Yeah. He says, no, we're cool, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we're cool. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, we all run. want we yeah. all we all want that moment, you know, where that happens. You know, it's uh, and robots give that to you, and 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 you know, they they, they it can be a very cost effective thing, especially when you know the uh, uh, when what you have to lose might be considerable. Yeah. So, but uh, I, uh, you know, it, it's 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 kind of like you know uh, the guy who says, "Let me let me introduce you to my little friend." Yep. Yeah. Know? Al Pacino and, and, and uh, Scarface. Yeah. Totally. Right. And and he basically starts firing this this gun everywhere. Oh yeah. We're like dive covered. It's like you're not just dealing with what a single man can do with his own with just his hands. You know. So that's. Well, what robots. was that, that? What was that? That Mao Zedong said, "Power comes from the barrel of a gun." Oh well, yeah. Mm. That that's. Uh, I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, <laughs> it's certainly true. Unfortunately, uh, um, it's he was wrong because it's it it, it did come from it, it's it, it comes from the barrel of a gun when nobody else has them. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you. Uh, you come to America, where like one in three people have a have a firearm or whatever the number is. I, I'm probably inflating it. Sorry, this is not a real statistic, but the point is, is that it's it's a little hard to you, you get you get into the situation in, in a few movies where the guy pulls the gun on the bartender in the bar and it's a cop bar. Or no, it's like the scene in uh, the first Men in Black when Vincent D'Onofrio is Eggers there and he's got the shotgun and the tow truck driver he just opens his his suit. Please. <laughs> Please, yes. Because he's yeah. got a hog leg of a revolver stuffed in, you know, a shoulder holster. Right. But yeah, it just, right. yeah, that type of thing where you're like, yeah, thinking, yeah, you've got this. It's the whole thing. Never bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and a lot of times robots can be very, very intimidating looking and they don't even have to do anything. They just have to be there. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're not. They're not as the Hitchhiker's Guide say. Are my plastic pal who's fun to be with? They. They sometimes are there to basically make sure that uh, people provide you with the kind of attention you expect from them. So they do that, you know, and uh, and, and, and 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 pretty cheap because you know the one thing you can't do in a game is you generally can't bring a horde of people with you. I mean, you have you and the other players are it. And sometimes, and if you bring another player character, then essentially you increase your your presence a little bit. Yeah. You know, unless, uh, but if you bring in, let's say your buddy is a dragon, or your buddy's a giant, or your buddy's a robot, see, then we, we can add in stuff that, and even though they're GM controlled, they can make a big difference in the, um, 
the way people perceive you. Now, yeah. it could be bad. Uh, I've always said in, in, in Fringeworthy that uh, the, you don't ever want to appear threatening because there's only a few of you, and they may not realize it, but they outnumber you by the millions. Yeah. Uh, and so it's always be- it's even better to if you get attacked, be captured. If you don't, if you think you can do it without getting killed, you know, other people in your party getting killed, then just surrender because then you'll be in a position where they feel safe and they'll talk to you, and you can start. Doing, you know, what what fringeworthy characters do best, which is, well, basically, that's you know, seduce people with a promise of of of, of a uh, riches and a life of 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 of, of uh, excess. Yeah, you know, coming from a high tech society, you know, we live, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We, you know, we have creature comforts that that um, royalty would never have dreamed of through most of history, and we take it for granted. So. You know that to me, that's always like, look, you don't want to kill me. I'm the guy that's going to get you this and this and this and this and this and this. You know, we're we're here to help you. We we're not here to be a threat. And you know, and as and, and sometimes and usually that works. You know, now of course if they're really bad dudes and they're like being really mean to people, you might not want to help them. In which case, then I guess you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to. It's good to have a robot that could suddenly break. You know. You know, break door, uh, bend steel and break. You know, kick doors off walls and 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 you know, s- grow to the size of a of a sixty foot robot <laughs> out of some pseudo magic. Who knows? Dimensional shift or something like that. Place the robot with the giant robot. You know. Yeah. And, and start doing this thing like like they did in um, Miracle Man, the comic book. Uh, they had this underspace and they had extra bodies in there. Some of them were monstrous. Some of them were small. Some some of them were normal, you know. They were just different, differently looking, you know. And you just basically pulled up, did a mind transfer, and switched your body with one of the bodies oh, down okay. there. And robots could be the same way; they could be in folded space, and and you could just basically swap out this robot for the big robot that's designed for warfare, and the robot that's designed for keeping camp goes away for a while. But the not the but the the programming the you know, and stuff stays, you know, basically connects between the two. And it's, he's, he's now, instead of arms, now it has big weapons and now has the ability to roll 60 miles an hour over, you know, landscape, including enemy soldiers and such, you know, it's a different robot. But yeah. I'm saying is that you, robots can do that, you know, and, and in that comic book, humans could do that too because it was their minds that transferred, but I think in terms of the game, not talking about the far future, not talking about the late game of Fringeworthy, uh, the idea of being able to uh, have a robot that could then suddenly express itself as, a, as a, a, a much more dangerous entity might really help you in the negotiation presence aspect of playing a game especially when you're you're saying oh we weapons we got no weapons look i my i my nothing here let me open my coat nothing here my my uh you know my mechanical valet here is you know simply carrying you know bottles of port for dinner tonight that's all he's he's completely harmless (laughs) until i give this command yeah and so yes and then all of a sudden you know he you find out he's he he could fire electrodes you know electricity from his hands and yeah and and he and he and and the nerve gas container inside of his chest blows a blast out at your enemies and they fall over twitching and spasming yeah all things that would be really hard for you to do oh yeah so anyways um let's see here is uh 
Is there anything else? Is there, uh, we, we talked a little bit about what we don't want robots to do. Uh, oh, and we, and we, uh, and that is, is that, uh, uh, oh, what, you know, why, why would, why would robots be possibly a bad thing? Uh, other than of course the obvious, they take over the world and, and they, they, uh, you know, if they, if, if they're like, uh, uh, Jack Williams's novels, the humanoids, uh, where, they basically their their programming was to was to protect humans and so they decide to protect them from themselves and essentially uh they didn't have anything like the movie the matrix but they essentially did the same thing uh humans thought they were doing dangerous things but they were actually simulations and uh the robots you know you they basically people live fantasy lives from that point forward robots took care of everything and humans weren't really in charge of their own destiny anymore yeah yeah that sounds yeah. like the matrix yeah yeah but and, you know that's but he did they did this was way before that so these were all human form robots uh and they essentially says we just exist to take care of you what's wrong with that you know the other thing we won't let you do is hurt yourselves yeah you know but that also means we you know, says, well, what if i want to go to war you know, what if I, what if someone hurts me so badly that, you know, that I, they need, they need to be punished or something like that. And it's like, well, in that case, uh, we will hook you up with a, uh, with, with a proper, uh, psychiatric program, <laughs> you know, uh, the, uh, uh, Shawnee, uh, you know, when the people wouldn't dance, they made them dance. Yeah. The Enchanty. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that, that's something that that's, you know, that's one of the big fears of the robots taking over. Is where they misinterpret their uh, instructions, and they uh, uh, things like, "Well, we need to cure world hunger. Okay, just kill off half of humanity, and there'll be more food for the remainder." Yeah, the, Thanos, right. the yeah. Thanos solution type thing. Yeah, right, right. Well, you know, I've I've seen a lot of novels of that. Yeah, sure. Or uh, or or less less um, uh, less bloody. Um, Let's just make uh, half the world population infertile, and that way they can't produce children. And in a generation, everything gets back to the way it should be. Yeah, and that could be done much more insidiously. Where or or just, the whole the oh Matt Damon movie downsizing, where they shrunk the population, therefore less resources were being used up. Yeah, things. That like was that. a very that was a very cool movie, and and I really liked it because. It, it, I thought it was going to be a kind of a weird, you know, kind of slapstick movie because of the way they showed how they were so different. Yeah. But it turned out to be a really touching uh, social commentary. Yeah, I heard that the, the trailer, the way they edited the trailer was very misleading. Yeah. So I assume you haven't seen it. No, I saw the trailer. I'm like, yeah, this looks like a funny movie. Then I'm just here and it got slammed. It's like... It is, was... it is much more, of, like I say, of a, a social commentary movie than a funny movie. So if you're going there expecting to laugh a lot, you're probably not going to. Yeah. And it has, and it has a touching romance in it as well. So uh, anyways, it's, it's more of a drama is what I'm trying to say. Less yeah. of a comedy, more of a drama, and, and not really a science fiction at all. That's more of a MacGuffin. Yeah, but, but still, that's another way that... Hum, you know, robots would try to curb humanity in trying to help them doing yeah. something that it has ends up having a very adverse effect. But because the robot, with its programming, it's like we're not taking, we don't, we can't understand the emotional context of killing off your entire family so you have more food. It's like you have more food. What we're we're balancing an equation. I'm saving you. What are you complaining about? Yeah, hold still. I'm trying to save you. Quit screaming. Yeah. Yes. You don't need, you know, you don't, 
You don't need every one of your limbs. Yeah, wow. That's <laughs> that's food. Yeah. <laughs> I could feed your family for a week. Yeah, soil and green. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was yeah, that was that was doing the ultimate thing, but you know, there's uh, uh it there, there's some interesting movies where uh, the, the, uh, the 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 partial sacrifice of victims uh, is, is a, an important part of the movie. Oof. So uh, and it's and, you know it's it's actually a, a mark of honor you know for those who do it because you know they're keeping people alive by doing it. Well, the whole daughter expedition thing. If you watch the movie of it, you know it's it's very touching at times because you know these people are some of these people are dying. They know they're dying. They're saying please. He says, when I die, please, you know, don't let me go to waste. I want you to live, you know. And so I say, it could be, that movie, you know, in some parts is really heartrending. So, uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, we don't want robots making those kinds of decisions for us. <laughs> and I'm not sure we want robots implementing those decisions either no, if, no, our, no, no, no. if our, if our uh, wise leaders decide that's what they should do. So, I, I, so that's one reason why the laws of robotics are seen are very uh, palatable for a lot of people because you know ultimately you know the robot cannot hurt you okay <laughs> uh, if it's properly programmed uh, it's uh, the robot will never hurt you um, and and can't even hurt you through inaction that's you know that's why he did it um, but uh, that's a really smart robot is a super super smart a um, uh, a, a smart system to be able to come up to those conclusions sometimes. But, uh, but of course, if we do have robotics, uh, where literally we'll, can't, we can and will do anything for us, we have the problem that we had in Wally. Oh, yeah. Where, where people become really huge fat people and they have almost no ability to move around on their own because all they do all day long is just sit and do things that they think are fun. Yes, and they're in their floating chairs and everything, losing bone mass because they're the gravity's lighter. Right. Yeah, and 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 by gaining all that that fat yeah. as well. So uh, they they didn't say what the longevity of those people were. I don't think, but um, in um, uh, in a in a, a movie I saw recently, uh, everybody lived in AI um, and. Uh, AI ran uh, ran the rest of the world, and the corporations that were in charge of AI were like, "Yeah, we give everybody the government gives everybody a, a guaranteed income, which basically pays for a room, pays for their internet, uh, and pays for their uh, uh, institutional level food and water, you know, and that gets delivered to their their uh, rooms every week or once a once a week or something, and the people." live to be about 40 and they die because we don't give them any health care. They just, you know, get sick and die because, you know, and, uh, it's, but it's a lot cheaper than what we were doing before, which was charging, making them work, doing work that they didn't have to do, charging them taxes and giving them health care that might have helped them. And they lived longer, but they were a lot less happy. Instead, these people, you know, they, they have more leisure time now than they did before when they had to spend uh, at least a quarter uh, of their day, if not a half of their day, uh, earning a living and only having a few hours a day to enjoy what they really like to do. Instead, they have 40 years to enjoy what they want to do, and then they're done. So, again, these are these, these, are these kinds of sociological decisions, which I, don't, I, I think is perfectly fine for people to make for themselves, and it might be nice to be able to have the option of doing it. 
but I don't want anybody, you know, it, it, I don't want robots enforcing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what, I'm, uh, what I wouldn't like. Because they don't uh, have that human intuition, that factor, the gut feeling. They go purely by logic where a lot of stuff is missed. And just, yeah, you... And then, of course, robots can be reprogrammed. So yeah. that whole hacking thing. Right. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's always that chance that, you know, bad things will happen to you in uh, in AI. You know, black black ice, as they put it in uh, uh, in cyberpunk. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, the whole that whole thing there where if your mind connected to the to the the internet then you know it, when you go into the internet to hack the internet can hack you back yep so yeah that can happen but uh, so fortunately uh, and and they did have that in ghost in the shell they had robots that would go in and plug into people's brains and steal their secrets and then transmit them to their masters uh, you know it wasn't just you know people like uh, uh, Colonel uh, Kusanagra, who was who was a uh, a human, so it was a human brain inside of a completely robot body that looked like a hot girl, uh, and she uh, she did her, her hacking herself using the uh, uh, the the benefits of being hooked into a, a, a computerized body where you know she had a a, a really good interface with it because she and she was very. And because she lived inside this robot body, she was very, very good at interfacing with electronic uh, uh, control systems and things like that. So her ability to hack was pretty amazing. But uh, yeah, getting hacked back, getting hacked by a robot and turned into its puppet is not a nice thing. I don't think anybody would want that. No. So, so we don't want robots to have that ability. Nope. Even though I have a really strong feeling that if we ever get to that level, they certainly will. Yeah. Yeah, government. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.